Welcome to Rich Conversations. This week on the podcast, we are featuring episodes with some friends from my hometown in Raymond, Wisconsin, rural America. And uh, I had so much fun recording these. We have Sean McCormick today and Callie Joe Castenson on Wednesday. And we recorded these mid-February in my barn. My barn's over 100 years old. And so it's got this cool aesthetic. I've sort of created this makeshift studio in the barn and I wanted to test it out. And I happened to test it out again in February and it was really cold. And I had a space heater that didn't do anything. But uh, but I'm just like sitting there in like mid 20s, maybe upper 20s. And I'm just like, uh, it's, it was an interesting experience for sure. And they are fantastic. We have some rich conversations, some great, fabulous conversations. So much fun. Um, with Sean McCormick, we talked about, in our episode today, we talked about the barn a little bit. We talked about growing up in rural America. We talked about him working as a pipe fitter and technology and life in general and life lessons and experiences along the way. It was really enjoyable, really um, heartwarming and just great to to talk with Sean and uh, a guy I used to play football with and go to school with back in grade school. So um, excited to share this. Before this episode, before our conversation, I discuss commercials during NFL games and how I enjoy them so much. They're so fascinating. And uh, well, I'll explain why in a little bit. So without further ado, let's begin. Something I'm really into is the NFL. I love football and I love sports, but also I love the NFL because it's really the last monolith of American culture. With the information age and uh, you know the digital revolution, there are so many options for people to go to for news and entertainment and you know whatever else. So it's, it's very fragmented. Whereas before in the 20th century, you had you know big four networks, very top down, um, and there weren't many options. But today. If you look at the top-rated TV shows every year, the NFL is over half of them. Just different games of the NFL. So it's always fascinating to me. And that's why I love tuning into NFL games, because you get kind of a snapshot of American society based on commercials and based on the whole pageantry around games. There's a game going on on the field, but there's also a game going on outside. And so during my hiatus, it was uh, December 4th, 2022, it was the Colts-Cowboys game. I decided to take notes on the commercials that came on for Sunday Night Football. 
So tonight football, the Cowboys won 54 to 19. It was a, a blowout. So good thing I wasn't tuning in for the actual, actual game. Um, but people love football all over the country. It's such an American uh, tradition, an American sport, that people will tune in just for, to watch the sport, right? And, and stars play, uh, not necessarily for their, their own home teams. That's why it's also so intriguing, right? You have the most amount of eyeballs on NFL games. So if you're a company, a brand, or you're trying to push a new product, right? The NFL gives you an opportunity to communicate your message in front of the most amount of people, right? Biggest bang for your buck, per se. So during this game, I took notes on every single commercial break. And the way it would usually work, there'd be five commercials, and then there'd be another commercial that would lead into the broadcast that was an NBC-affiliated show, you know, um, you know, whether it be their variety shows, their comedy shows, their drama shows, things like that. So I took notes. To start off, you got Geico, Uber, Google Pixel, Geico, Walmart, Hyundai, Walmart, Progressive, Wendy's, Puss in Boots, Amazon, Pepsi, Hyundai, Etsy, Visa, MetaQuest 2, Chipotle, Allstate, Geico, Kohl's, Coca-Cola, Puffs, Xfinity, PNC Bank, Procter & Gamble, Walmart, Arby's, AT&T, Pfizer, Avatar 2, Lowe's, Toyota. And it's funny too, with these cars, It'll be like Sunday Night Football is brought to you by Hyundai, the official car of uh, Sunday Night Football. But then you'd have like Chevrolet, the official EV vehicle of Sunday Night Football. Then you'd have Toyota, the official uh, car of Sunday Night Football halftime. So it's interesting the ways that the NFL can maximize their, their revenue for that. But the list goes on and on with these. I broke down the categories. Something I was very curious about because I'll work a lot during college football games and I feel, and like at night, you know, so I feel like I'm always seeing beer commercials, gambling commercials, prescription drug commercials. So here I thought that these commercials would reflect that. So here's the breakdown. For food, there were 14 commercials, insurance, 11 commercials, retail, 15, technology, 9, cars, 8, healthcare, 3. These were mainly, mainly like COVID, uh, COVID commercials. Then you have phone, 9, financial, 8, entertainment, 7, gambling, only 1. So there were no alcohol or prescription drug commercials during this broadcast. And that kind of stumped me. I was, I was like, how, did, how could that be? And I thought more broadly about it. And of all the networks, NBC is kind of the feel-good network. It, it's very inclusive to all kind of demographics and ages, whereas Fox is very... It skews very young and kind of uh, 
flashy. CBS skews more older. And so uh, NBC, especially at night, it's going to try to be more family-friendly, family-focused. So that's my guess and conclusion to why there weren't alcohol or prescription drug commercials. Um, it's very safe. It was a very safe broadcast. And of these companies, you would notice there's a lot of big companies. And I would guess because it's the last monolith of American culture, these commercials for the primetime game of the week of the NFL are going to be uh, quite costly in time slots. So you got Walmart had a lot. Uh, you know, you got your Coca-Colas, you know, your Progressive, your Allstates, your Amazon, uh, all these car companies, you know, then your fast food commercials. K Jewelers, right around Christmas, right? And so then you're, you're pushing that. And then you would have companies or brands kind of newer on the scene that were trying to, you know, make a statement or, or really put themselves out there. You got like Airbnb, Uber Eats, uh, MetaQuest 2, you know, so some of these more technology-based companies. But, so that's something I did. <laughs> I was a little bored and also quite fascinated by it. So it was a lot of fun. Maybe, maybe I should do more of these. Because <laughs> you can get a real snapshot of like the audience and who they're trying to reach. And again, you have the game itself, right? But then there's so much going on around it. And if you're able to kind of take a step back and observe it, it's a lot of fun. Really interesting. So... Thought I'd share it. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We are in my barn in Wisconsin, and uh, we are joined by the lovely Sean McCormick. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, this is, this is fun. Uh, well, how cold would you say it is? Right now, I'd say it's roughly probably in the thirties, high thirties, low forties. You think it's high thirties? I think so. I could have swore my kitchen thermo thermometer said uh, twenty-eight. I guess it might be a little different since we're in the barn. I guess you know. So you let's. Know. So it's cold here. It's February. Yes. And you're not wearing a coat. No. No, you have a coat. You're I choosing have, not to I, wear it. I, I have a coat. I choose not to wear it. I just got, I'm not low on the thicker side of skin, of the skin, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wisconsin breed just yeah. are just different. Yeah. It's, uh, I got a high tolerance. Yeah. It's, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a different, different kind of breed. Um, I've been to other states and I like the weather though. Yeah. Okay. So we're in my barn. This is actually the first episode we've done in my barn. Um, what, do you, what do you think so far of our little like makeshift studio setup? I like it. It gives them more of a... Um, personally, for me, it gives a little more unique. It's a little, uh, little different um, type of... It, it's a lot of different type of style, but it's a little different as of like sitting at home kind of like... Uh, for me, I grew up out 
here in Raymond. So um, for me, it, it feels more natural set type of setting. So yeah, it feels like you're just kicking in with your <clears throat> yeah. with your guys, right? With, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, growing up, this is what we did. Yeah, that's a, like something I've I've thought about with the podcast is like mm. having being really agile with it. Like you saw the bag that I have. I just have a duffel bag mm -hmm. and that's that's the podcast, including yeah. lighting. We got lighting here too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I do like certain spaces. It's good to yeah. have like certain spaces. So I want to make this like so uh, certain space would be like uh, the bar I work at in Chicago. I have mm -hmm. kind of like a setup there that I can use mm -hmm. or like, you know, come in and just make it. Right. And so I want to uh, I wanted to create one here in Wisconsin, too, where mm. when I have podcast guests from Wisconsin, we can just we can just come to the barn. Right. Right. Um, I like the idea because like, too, with the with the barns, today, the older the older barns are more unique and it gives them more of, yeah. more of a home feeling, more uh, family. When I see an old barn, I see the old family ties, old farms, uh, families and stuff. We, you had seven or eight kids in the family and stuff like that too. And, you know, try to make it work and yeah. type of thing and the hard work. And that's what America pretty much grew up on, you know, and, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, Sunday morning, get out in the barn, work the cows and stuff like that. You milk, milk the cows. You got uh, sunlight coming in through the, just the cracks and stuff through the walls and stuff for the barn. It's, you could so. see it as we were walking up my so my little brother uh he's an electrician and when mm -hmm. he was going through his apprentice program yeah he just wanted to electrify everything <laughs> <laughs> put electricity yeah. everywhere oh. you know like double up the electricity <laughs> and outlets uh <laughs> inside like at home as well and like so in the barn here he put uh if we electricity you got lights mm -hmm. here and and we got like a a mini bar over here. We have um, uh, these big panels over here. Mm -hmm. We have a uh, we have a projector that we can put and watch like movies, right. play video games. And, mm -hmm. But you can tell it's an old barn, you know, because not a lot of this. Was, this is like early 1900s. Right. My dad could tell you like the reasons why it was mm -hmm. built in 1900s. A lot is like the field stone that they used at the foundation, mm -hmm. um, and also like the beams that they use but also the reason you can tell it's an old one is because there's just like it's so dirty yeah it, it's the uh the wood uh you can see that it the age it's aged wood yeah you, you know what i'm saying uh my back at home which is not far from here uh you know you know where i live uh or my parents live over in two mile they have a barn, and that was built back in the 1950s, but that was from reclaimed uh, wood or salvaged wood from other barns. But you can tell that's kind of old, too, because, well, all the different sizes that were used to make one barn yeah, and just the layout of all the main beams and stuff like that, it, was, it wasn't your typical layout. And we got this solid table and these mm -hmm. chairs. Check out these fancy chairs. Oh, yeah, definitely. These were supposedly... Uh, when someone came to settle here, they brought this dining set with them from England. Oh, okay. This was like 1700s. <laughs> it wasn't our family, so it was a different family. And so we it's were handed like, down. Yeah. We were gifted this. Oh, wow. Um, but it's in the barn, collecting uh, pigeon yeah. droppings. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. we have a tarp that goes over this. I try to keep it as clean as possible. Yeah. <laughs> but no, those I, pigeons, they're, they're like flying rats. It's like yeah. so hard to. It, it's hard. It's a, they also like to travel in packs or groups. Um, there's a name for it, but I cannot think of the name. But they're annoying. They, uh, well, <laughs> that's one. Obnoxious. <laughs> Obnoxious, annoying. I uh, heard of it. Uh, not, well, I heard it's a cow, but just that there can be a nuisance, though, at times. Yeah, we were talking about this last night. Uh, I was over at, uh, I'm like name dropping, Dave Karhajek. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I was at, at Dave's last night, mm-hmm. and uh, Zimmerman and Scooter were over there. Okay. And so we were hanging out, and uh, yeah, we were talking about the pigeons. You know, like in the city, mm-hmm. they have like the CTA, they, they put up these spikes. Right. So that they can't. So they can't so, lay down the roofs yeah. and, and, and yeah. phone lines and stuff. But then right? it's like, then, you know, like they were saying, then it's like, how much work do you want to put in spikes everywhere in here? You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, but it, it's cool to have like a space like this. This is cool. Yeah. So you're my first guest <laughs> in this new barn studio and we're doing it. I'm totally excited. I, 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 was, I, was, I was like 30 degrees, <laughs> <laughs> like 30 degrees. I'm totally excited. And, and I honestly, like you're, you're not the first person to say like, well, you're the, you got a quote, but you ain't wearing it in this weather. Yeah. I, what, why don't you describe, uh, so Sean McCormick is here with us is our honorable guest. Mm-hmm. How do you describe, uh, how we know each other? Uh, <clears throat> so describe, uh, in a short story, I would be, I think, to start off with uh, a new Richie from football. Um, we played uh, football since uh, early years in grade school. And um, and then high school, we played uh, some ball in high school and stuff like that. So I, I think it's mainly yeah. football and stuff that we uh, played or that we knew each other. We probably spent most of our time playing football together. Yeah. 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 And other than because we are about a year or two years difference you know in age so um yeah the main main thing was playing football and you know yeah. some with sports so yeah sports um and so you came down you visited me in chicago mm-hmm. this was really cool so sean came down uh a couple thursdays ago and uh we went to the art institute mm-hmm. and we went to uh the athletic association yep did we do something in between? We them? went to um, a sandwich shop or something. I think. Oh uh, yeah, we went that to Potbelly's. Yeah. Shout out Potbelly's. <laughs> I love Potbelly's. What do you think of Potbelly's? I, I I thought it was good. I think that was the first time I've been there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's more. It's like uh, I think the first one was in Chicago. Okay. Or Illinois. Yeah. It was. Um, it was good. Yes, we went to the Art Institute. So Sean hits me up. Uh, something I, like. Not a lot of people visit me in Chicago. Oh yeah. I think it's because. Chicago, especially coming from rural Wisconsin, it seems so drastically different because it is like culturally, it's a complete 180, yes. right? Yes, yes, totally. Um, so I think in other people's heads, it seems farther than it is, you know, because it's only like an hour and a half drive mm-hmm. or like taking a train. It's it's like around a, then about or an whatever. Hour. It's about an hour. Um, or I don't know if it's like intimidation by so so much stimuli, or I'm not sure, but. Uh, I think I think as a person growing up in the rural uh, side of 
like rural, the rural side of Wisconsin or just the rural of America, it's it's hard to go into the city. It is. I, yeah. you know, um, I, I live in Sturdivant and I've lived, been living there for eight years. I, I still have a hard time living in the city or the anything where that's not rural. Um, but to me, I was, I've always wanted to take adventures and stuff like that too. So uh, going to the city, I guess, you know, I'm open to it. So um, it was a big step. Like going into, I always thought Chicago was kind of neat, but it's the biggest city in the Midwest. You know, uh, how, how many other cities in the Midwest come close to Chicago? Nothing. Like, when you think yeah. of the Midwest, what, what's the number one city? Chicago. Yeah. It's like the, what, the fourth, third biggest city? or It's the, th it's the third. The third biggest city Houston's in the United States. Population-wise. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's like the capital of the Midwest. In a way. Basically, and I think, like, Madison's probably the second one in the Midwest, I think. <clears throat> no, it'd be like, uh, uh, yeah. Then you have all those other cities like uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, mm. Cincinnati, Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. Detroit. I guess Detroit would be after. I Chicago, actually, you probably. know, I think you're right. I think Detroit would be after yeah. Chicago. But Chicago is clearly like the biggest. Yeah. Um, but then you came down. You came down. We went to the Art Institute. Mm. What was your favorite painting at the Art Institute? Uh, favorite painting. Um, I. It would definitely have to be the probably the most, in my opinion, the, the most talked about one with the the farmer, and his wife, or the pitchfork. Yeah, the uh, uh, American Gothic. Yes, I, I, you saw that. You're like, oh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sitting like, yeah, like it's not that often I walk. You no, know, I go to uh, anything with the you know an art institute or anything like that. Um, just because I'm just guy out there, growing up on the farm, you know, and it's like. Okay, and it's like, well, I'll go there, you know. It's like I've never been to, you know, I'm not, I'm not the fancy type of guy, but I was like, you know, that's kind of interesting. I'll go, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I got a membership there, so I get, like, three mm. people in free. Yeah. So it's, it's always, like, a fun thing to just, like, show mm. people around. And, um, yeah, you see the iconic ones, mm. and the American Gothic is the one. I think, I, I think my favorite part of the museum was uh, going in downstairs where they got the small room. Yeah, that's a favorite of so many people. Yeah, it's the three-dimensional rooms, small, you know, all in a The a mini picture. rooms of yeah. all these, like, different... A different... Georgian periods or French periods or... Victorian periods. Uh, American colonial mm -hmm. periods, yeah. I, I've always been a fan of... Uh, talk about houses uh, and architectural. Uh, my favorite would be the Victorian houses uh just because of, of their design you know it's, it's almost like a miniature castle because of the roofs and things like that but that's what drew my attention to the small rooms you know yeah. um but yeah and then we went to the uh athletic association mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite places in the city what do you think about that place? i i i was i was it was it blew me because of the uh because of what it is you know um the, I don't know the history of it and stuff. That was the first time I've been to it. Uh, so um, I like the scenery at the scene of it where it's the old uh, late 1800s, is it? Yeah. Of the, you know, it makes me think of Ivy League type. type oh, yeah, you, know, you had mentioned that. You know, yeah. it, makes me, it makes me think of Ivy League. It makes me think of like uh, kind of the college, high class college society kids, you know, like I'm not nowhere near this in my status ever, but like, 
I like this. You know, it's a it's a, a different environment. It's like uh, you had it touched on it. Um, it's the way I often feel too. Just like coming from rural America. Yeah. And then you you kind of feel not uncomfortable, but it's just it's different. Like you mm -hmm. you're out of place in a way. Yeah. Even it, it maybe didn't feel out of place for you to be there, but it's mm. like kind of this like, oh, this is much different. Yeah, it's different like culture or vibe or. Right. Um, from, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. Like me growing up, like if it wasn't anything where like if it for me going out of my norm, my norm is strictly strictly just being at home, hitting the field. That's yeah. That that's type of me. That was that's always one thing that's always gonna stick with me. So anything where if it's leaving the farm you know, or leaving rural America, it takes me out of my comfort zone, honestly. And yeah. so, like, but then it's like, I knew that, you know, I, we're all going to die one day. I want to see. This is true. I, I'm going I'm to be honest. We're all going to die one day. <laughs> oh, no man, matter what. Blowing minds. <laughs> yeah, I'm blowing minds. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I've got a different perspective in the last, like, 10, 15 years, and I decided to take chances. You know, it's like, I'm going to go hit Chicago. And it's like, do I know anybody down there? Richie. Yeah. You know, and it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna help Richie and like say he's doing, you know, and yeah. and that's like that's my initial thing was, you know. I like how you're not like uh afraid is the wrong word, but like you put yourself out there. You're mm -hmm. like, Hey, like I'd like to come to Chicago. What are yeah. you up to? What's your schedule like? Mm -hmm. It's like oh like yeah, I'm available on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like yeah. let's let's find a time and like mm -hmm. we made it happen. You right. know? Mm -hmm. Whereas like um Sometimes people don't initiate conversation or mm. for whatever reasons, then it always is just in the back of their head. Like, oh, right. I wish I would have done that. I wish I'd done that. And, I got so used you know. to I got so used to that because um, like growing growing up, like I wasn't always that like outgoing person or whatever, you know, and <clears throat> but it's like, I, you know, it's like I wanted to change that. So I'm like, I got you got to start, you know, somewhere, you know. Wait, so how did this uh, come about for you, where you started just uh, putting yourself out there more? How did that it, come about? Um, I've just got to, like, when I started working on stuff like that and uh, starting to, basically starting to have to interact with other people and more than just being in a small circle of friends that you knew for a long time. And so for me, after working, working with a bunch of other people and especially being out in the trade it's like there's a lot of things i need to learn and i need to start picking up and we're living living in a fast paced world today that you need to you know like as a man we need to start being more confident in what we do we need to start making movements start making um such more initiative initiative of what we're being called to as men you know and so um <clears throat> being out more instead of being hi hibernating at home all day long on the weekends or just sitting in the bar or whatever it is like I decided to make a change and start taking more uh, chances and risk and things like that and uh, so it's just kind of, kind of became a time where it's like <clears throat> God wants me to start doing things or whatever and that's what I need to be I need to be working on myself and find out what my flaws are and start working on it from there you know yeah yeah man i'm proud of you <laughs> yeah good yeah so it's like i'm probably probably different than i was 
probably, probably since the last time you seen him in high school or so, hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I especially enjoyed uh, catching up with you, I would say, at the Art Institute. I mean, mm -hmm. we're just a lot of times when we go to the Art Institute and I'm walking around with people, we're just like having this long conversation while walking around looking at art. Yeah. The focus really isn't art. It's like it's conversation not. between us. Yeah. And the art is like this uh, way to prop up the conversation. It has, it allows very easy conversation topics to mm. come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then just like hearing about your life and everything you're doing now, uh, why don't you describe what you do, the trade you're in? So for, <clears throat> for our living, I work in construction. I work as a pipe fitter or a steam fitter. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, how that really what that is is that powerhouses power plants stuff like that is where you're like all oh, your steam really comes into play as a steam fitter and that's what we as steam fitters did was throw pipe or put pipe together work uh at, with boiler systems to make uh, electricity and things like that um, but not only does it apply to steam uh, applications but also applies to like copper anything with uh, any Thing related to piping hydronic systems hot water you know hot water chilled water anything related to pipe is what we work on lane pipe yeah lane pipe <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that you get you know, you know a little bit there <laughs> yeah, lane pipe <laughs> all right so you're laying some pipe yeah. and uh how long did it take you to learn the trade uh just the basics would be uh, I just served just got done with my five year apprenticeship. Okay. Okay. So it takes five years. Five years. Five years. Yeah, five and this years. is like when you're going through these five years, you're on the job learning, but you're also taking classes and studying stuff too, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a mix, a combination of uh, go to work, learning on the job, and also being in, in class. And basically, you're Five, five years is your basically your basics to a, your career. So you're learning the math, you're learning pipe, the basic pipes and things like that. And all that, after five years, you're pretty much getting your basic knowledge and then your reality is that your career actually starts right there going forward. You don't stop learning and you keep, keep on learning, keep asking questions, you know? So it's a, it's an ongoing process, but you also, produce skills like welding, uh, cutting and measuring pipes. So math is something that never goes away. That is actually the one true thing that lasts since kindergarten. Well, math, you're, numbers, you're always going to have to use it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no matter what it is, you know, yeah. so, you know. How many, as far as the trades go, let's um, provide some examples of trades that there trades. are. <clears throat> so we got steam fitter, we got a plumber, which are um, plumbers uh, do with wastewater and things like that. So we are different. Um, then you got electricians, you got cement masons, you got bricklayers, you got uh, road construction, you know, uh, which do asphalt and uh, you know laying cement. Um, so there's oh crap, there's a whole bunch. Any, any cooking, uh, being a chef yeah. is also a trade. Uh, it's not construction; it's you know uh, kind of health related. So yeah. there's a lot. There's a many. The trade is like a yeah. field of yeah. <clears throat> work and study. And basic, yeah. basically, a trade is um, a profession with skill. 
Okay. So you go out a lawyer, doctor. That that's an education. You get, you know, it's, it's not really the skill, but you're going to get the knowledge. Here you go to a trade. You're getting a skill and you're getting the knowledge. Yeah. So because you have to produce your so so job. of these trades, you said five years apprentice. Mm-hmm. Is that the most out of the trades? Yeah, like my little brother, is electricity. Electricity. I think that was like two or three. Um, I think, to my knowledge, that for some reason right now I'm thinking that's average. I'm right now I believe yeah. that's average. Five five years is like average. Okay. I think if you're looking to a three or four years, that's probably on the on the short side. Okay. So I think if you, and let's say if, uh, actually I think like cosmetology or something, I think if cosmetology was the, was an apprenticeship, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's like two and a half years or three or something like that. Okay. So, but uh, I think, I think five years is average okay. to my, to my knowledge. So what does your typical day look like? <clears throat> my typical day, uh, depends if I'm working in the field or if I'm working in the shop. Uh, I spent all five years, uh, well, for me, it was like about six because of layoff time. So sometimes when it gets slow, then they put your apprenticeship on hold so that it gives you a lot of five years. Um, <clears throat> a typical day is uh, doing layouts uh, for where you're you know, looking at where you got to see where your pipe is going, do your layouts, measurements, and things like that. And then you, So it might be a couple days worth of that. And then you're doing your pipe fab- fabrication, which is you're actually cutting and welding pipe or screwing pipe together using torches welders threaders uh that that's what my usual usual day is consistent do you spend more time prepping or yeah more we spend a lot of time i guess it depends on the the type of process uh that you're using too you spend a lot of time doing layouts uh, measure twice, cut once. That's you're gonna hear that a lot in any trade, in <laughs> yeah. any trade, yeah, any, any trade, any trade. Guaranteed. <laughs> that's the that's the number one rule of thumb is measure twice, cut once. Measure any twice, trade. cut once. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you won't ever hear it enough. Never. Um, uh, just about every person probably tell you they made a mistake doing that. You know, uh, in measurement or something. Uh, but two, it's also always admit to your mistakes, like like anything else. You know, but. Um, a lot, there's a lot of time gets spent on layouts. Uh, sometimes you might have somebody who's designated to doing layouts. And then, uh, like on my last job, my foreman did, did a lot of the layouts, and then he would order prefabbed pieces to come down to the job site. Okay. So uh, a lot of time gets spent on that. So the, the places you're working at, are they like, are they industrial? Are they residential? For me, it's, it's always been industrial and commercial, most yeah. mostly industrial type type places, factories uh, like Nestle's or Case New Holland uh, mm-hmm. plant. I have I've I haven't worked there as a fitter, but though it, that's an example of like places to work at, like you know f- car factories and things like that. All industrial places is usually what I've been doing. So, okay. Hmm. <clears throat> So on the job, what is it like when you're working with others? Are you guys playing music in the background? Are you like? Uh, 
Yeah, it depends on the jab side. Depends um, because of safety, they usually don't. Some of them are picky about playing okay. music. Some of them are not. Um, <clears throat> you get a lot of because you can work with like a hundred hundred guys on a jab side or a couple hundred. Couple oh, hundred, really? yeah. <laughs> um, you can work with a couple hundred guys on a job site. Um, so you get a lot of different people, a lot of different, after, a lot of different opinions of music. Yeah, lots of opinions. Oh, I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you a, a thing or two. Well, I'm, it, it would be more than a thing. It would be like a page or two. But uh, the interactions between guys and stuff, you're going to have guys you're going to like and get along with. You're going to have guys that you're that you ain't gonna like and not get along with, but it's one of those things, man up and just, you know, work with just it. Do, Lear, do your job, learn how to get along with people. You know, it's it's reality, you gotta, you know. And um, there are some jobs where you can have like 14,000 people on it. Go down to um, like American Steel or US Steel down in um, Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, Gary, Indiana. You go down to the oil rigs or uh, the gas uh, production down in, uh, it's right down there by Gary. Uh, it's, it's the next city over. That can have, you know, fourteen thousand people on it. Um, yeah. So you're just all working at once. Uh, th so when you get jobs like that big, three shifts, twenty four seven. Yeah. Uh, so like when you say like, you no know, people getting laid off. When things get slow, then it's like you're laying off two thousand people in a day. Yeah. You know. So. That's and that's, that's so the layoffs when you mentioned layoffs earlier. It's it's essentially like there's not a job right now per se. Yeah, so it's like but a then kid. one might come up and then you're like back up again. It's not like a so it's a so it's, it's a, like an in and out type of thing. Like yeah, a temporary. So thing. it's kind of like temporary, seasonal. You can uh, based on uh, quite a few different factors. Um, a common one it would be seasonal. Uh, kind of like, let's say, let's say road construction. Most yeah. of the time, the guys are going to be working 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week during the summer. And then they would probably only cut down to like maybe six or eight or maybe take a month off or lay off or something. Hey, we're slow right now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wait until things pick up. Uh, I'll bring you back. That's, that's the nature of the trade. So yeah. right now it's a little slow winter. Just little. Um, I was off for two months, so when I came down, <clears throat> you know, during the week, uh, usually I don't, I usually don't take off, but usually I try to plan things for when I get laid off. So it's not a, it's not really a bad thing, like yeah. some people think. It, it can be a good thing. I worked for a year and a half. Um, I only took, let's see, I did take like a week or two weeks off, I think in like three years. I worked for okay. three years. I didn't have any, I only had like two weeks off in three years, so... Yeah, no, it's actually it's actually a, a decent. Or it's, yeah, I think it's in my opinion. I think it's good because it gives me time to to rest. You know, to rest, to rest, to to hang out. You know. So what you, is it? Is it pretty uh, physical on your body then? Yes, uh, it's uh, physical, intense. Uh, being a pipe fitter is pretty intense. Um, you do have tools and everything but just long hours uh and crawling around and you can depend on where where the job is and everything it's uh a pretty physical demanding type of job and always dealing with heavy things you know yeah you gotta be 
You have to be physically tough. Physically tough. Physically tough, so much so that you don't have to wear a coat when you're, <laughs> when you're recording a conversation. Uh, it's actually in like 30 degrees. It's actually like a, a state of mind, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it in a sense that um, in 30 degree weather, just think about being in a, on a beach out in Hawaii or Florida or something like that, you know? Going to Mexico City in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to take me with? <laughs> I've never. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, but yeah, it should be like seventy-five. I'm. You know where? You know where it gets seventy-five? You know where it gets ninety-five in the middle of winter? Phoenix. Does it? Yeah. What's? It, what's so I've been in uh, like northern Arizona. Pager is on it during the summer. Um, so, so you've been, so you've been to not Phoenix though. So Arizona, so you go in Arizona. If you go far enough north, you can get snow. So it'll be like Flagstaff. I've been in, so if you go like Phoenix, from Phoenix, Phoenix going south, then you're you you can hit. Does it, doesn't it get really cold at night when the sun goes down? It's about forty. Does it depend a lot on the sun, or uh, about forty degrees. Uh, well, from the time that the all all the time that I was down there, let's see, I was down there during Christmas to New Year's, uh, one year. So I left. So I I left in New Year's Eve. So I spent New Year's Eve or uh, Christmas Eve here in Wisconsin, and then okay. I flew down, got there at midnight, and I spent Christmas Day down there. To and I left New Year's Eve and I came back New Year's Day. Okay. Right, so I had the, so I had the night flight. It was actually pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so uh, during the during December it got it got down between thirty and forty degrees during the. Uh, see that's see that's like. Um, it's probably probably a little chillier I think than this, because there's no humidity. See that? You see my breath? Yeah. Well, I'm looking, I'm kind of like uh, scouting mm. for snowbird locations. So like places, places to visit mm. during, during the, the cold months here up in the north. Mm. Uh, so I've been, I've gone to Miami a few times. I've been to the southwest now a little bit, going to Mexico City. Uh, I seem to lean towards, we'll see what Mexico City's like, but um, mm. I really like Miami a lot. I, I'd never been to Miami, but I've, I've been to Orlando. That was the furthest okay. south on the east coast that I've been. Okay. Uh, Phoenix was the furthest west and furthest south on the west coast I've been. Have you ever been to Los Angeles? I have not. Okay. I, I've, been, I've been trying to get, get back down to Arizona, but my, my schedule, my uncle's schedule has not matched up yet. Okay. So I've been wanting to go get out there, though. I was thinking about uh, Arizona last night. We were in, in uh, the shop, mm -hmm. and he's got um, Dave's got a couple of posters of Johnny Cash, mm -hmm. and in one, in the background, in this photo, in this like poster mm -hmm. of Johnny Cash, is like, it looks like a window. Yeah. That you can tell it's like desert in yeah. the background or in this window. Mm -hmm. It's like, did Johnny Cash spend a lot of time in the Southwest? Like, that'd be interesting. The Southwest has like a mystique to it it has like a i when an aura me, about it the, there is something about the southwest that draws my attention yeah. um 
like for me it would be like may, maybe like the history a little bit with like route 66 and things like that mm-hmm. uh when you start talking like uh the post era of 1900s or even early 1900s to recent times is like yeah what well, is all desert and mo- yeah. mostly desert out out west until you start hitting. it's so vast yeah right mm-hmm it's just a what's kind of like I spend most most of my life here in the Midwest, you know, in Wisconsin, and a trip or two down to Chicago or through Chicago, <laughs> you know. But um, just like Florida, there's something about Florida that kind of that piques my interest too. Everywhere, so everywhere can be so interesting. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. if you're looking at it through a lens of just openness and. Um, curiosity mm. and it, it's the, absorption. The, I don't know. The term I like to use would be is that I, I'm intrigued on, and I don't use a lot of big words, but intriguing would be one word that I like to, it piques my interest, interest to go out and see different things instead of just seeing what's, what the movie shows you. Yeah. Today, everybody just wants to say, well, why not just watch a documentary on nature on the Nature Channel to see what the Caribbean is like or see what Australia is yeah. like and, and whatnot. Well, why? I mean, I spend my whole life here. Why would I want to sit in front of a, a, a television just to see Screen. if I can? Yeah. You, you can't feel, you can't go down there and, f- I, you know, and sit in front of your TV and be like, you can't feel the nature. You can't. I will say this, interact though, like, it. it it does, I feel like that's all I watch. It's, like, <laughs> nature documentaries or, like, history documentaries. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the real thing cannot be replaced. Like, what we're doing right now is better than any other options. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend on your screen? Sure, I can... Screens. Probably at the most, I think, way too much. Definitely way too much. More, way more than I ever wanted to in my whole entire life. <clears throat> I, I'm at the point in my life where my house is paid off. I have my truck paid off. 33 years old. I've only had my house for eight years. I've paid it off in seven and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, it's one of those things that, like, what? once you start doing things as just like a middle class person is like, what else is there f- to do? You know, it's like, I don't have family. I don't have kids. I'm going to go do things. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, you know, doing things like this, this is what I enjoy doing is to interact with friends mm-hmm. and stuff sitting in front of the TV. Well, at some point you get so bored just because like, well, I, I completed something and well, in today's day and age is paying off a house. Okay, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, you're bored. Now I'm bored. I love that. I, Sean, I love that you're bored. Like, I, that's the, yeah, that, I, honestly, so refreshing in a way. It, honestly, it's one of those things. A lot of people are, are saying that today. A lot of people are saying that today. The reason why they have this stuff is because they're bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, at first, they're like, oh, it's cool. You know, I got TV and, you know, well, I'm bored. It, the, the end result is that I'm bored. It, they're lacking the interaction that we're doing right now. So do you think... And so I, so I sit there and try to get more and more and more of it. It's kind of like... 
it's like it's like having candy. It's like, well, I want another piece. Then it's like you 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 have so much that you feel like you can't get enough. It's an addiction. And that's what, that's yeah. something I'm trying to break. You know. You're talking about screens right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it screens is like candy. It's like I don't want to reference it to drugs because I've never been addicted to drugs. But from what I hear is that drugs are the worst thing to be addicted to. Well, so is sugar. Well, screen time doesn't matter if it's your phone or your television or your desktop. They can be used for good stuff to educate people and things like that. But at what point is it bad? Too much time, right? Yeah. I yeah. Think- Certainly phones, because TVs have been around for since, what, the 50s, something like that? Earlier 40s, than that. I, yeah, I think, like, the 50s is when every household... Color? Was color? <clears throat> I think it was, like, the 60s, 60s, I think, was the color. I think the 50s, the 50s was the age when everything that was in the store was being accessible to every household in America. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. 1940s, by the time 1940s roll around, every household had a car in the driveway. Let's put it that way. Henry like post-World War II, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Henry, Henry Ford, that's what Henry Ford did, is that he made it possible for every household family to have a car or a vehicle in their driveway at their home. Yeah. That's what Henry Ford did. By the 1950s came around because of Henry Ford's uh, idea of the production line that's why he's known for it's not the Ford car it's yeah to be able the to produce something producing. cheaply and to make it affordable for the everyday American and yeah. that's you and me and that's and guess what every other company doesn't matter what it is came to follow suit in Henry Ford's design of the of the fa- modern day factory you know, so. Well, so well, going back originally, so <clears throat> screens have been around, TVs have been around. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like lately, over the past maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. it's like smartphones and the phone screens are the issue, right? Yeah. Prim- primarily? I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. I think it's, um, you know, let's see, I see people all the time at work because I've always got the phone out. It's not just your work too. It's my work. It's like yeah. everywhere. Well, what do you? What's on? What, what do you think about this? When's the last time? How far back would you say was it before your phone had a screen on? Was it got to be about fifteen or eighteen years, right? Well, when did the first tele, handheld phone have a screen on it? They can. That was more than just like a touch some, screen or like a yeah. I mean, I mean, is it the iPhone? Is it like, like 05? Yeah, so anything, any, any, any type of screen that's more than just the dial button. I mean, this is last year's, last year's phone. Yeah. But did you, so was it 7th or 8th grade for us? Was it that somebody started having something like this? We can touch the screen and something pops up? Or have it some kind of touch I screen? It, I think it was a little later. Because we, we kind of bridged the like analog and digital world in a way. I think that was like, like when that. we started high school. That, so that was back in 2005. Yeah. Well, it's, it's around there. So somewhere yeah, around yeah, yeah. there. But the point, but there was a point to where I was going with, with this is that at that time, what were we doing at that time if we didn't have these? 
I think that's a great question that we have to like think about, be conscious of now. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's gotten unhealthy. And for people younger than us, that's mm -hmm. all they really know is how to interact with the world. Right. With that, it's almost like we have to create different habits for ourselves mm -hmm. in our interactions and social environments. Mm -hmm. um, where we don't have to be so attached to the phones. Mm. Um, well, just think too is that <clears throat> like applying discipline on yourself and it's to start with, but also kind of teaching that discipline, instilling mm -hmm. that discipline mm -hmm. uh, with devices, right? So that you can live more like fulfilling and mm. be present more, I suppose. I think I believe that now there could be a bunch of reasons why people are on them so much and so many hours out of the day, you know, work, um, dating sites and that can, everything yeah, is on there. Every, everything, everything. everything. So if you know where I'm, what the rabbit hole is, I'm going with this. Well, they replace the relationships and the friendships with their phone. Okay. Right. So, but two is the thing, Think of how dangerous that is, is that if everybody sat in their house on their phone, human society just keeps going down the drain. So what is, what is the real world and what is the fake world? Is the real world the one physically that we're here right now? Or is it if we had our phones out right now, is this the real world? What's ha happening on our screen? So the, real, so the real world is us living in the moment. The fake reality is the TV screen or the, your phone. That, that's what yeah. I believe. That's what I believe. I was thinking about this today. Mm. It's healthier to be on the screen than in front of the screen. Think about it for a second. I think I got you. I think I, I, think I see where you're going with this one. See, right now, we're not... In front of the screen. We're not in front of our screens, right? Right. But by recording it, mm. we'll be on the screens. But what do you do to for the other people on the other side of that screen? Yeah, here's tell here. them to get off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can reach people on it's, their phones is through, is through the screen. It's through the screens. Isn't yeah. that wild? Yeah. So, one question that people ask me, okay, and I don't know, it's a common question people have asked me, like Sean Hawkins, you're not seeing anybody or dating anybody, or you know, there's this dating site you can go. It's like no, I said I don't. I, I can't do the dating site because I don't know who's on the other side of that screen. It's not a video, right? So, it, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, okay, so we're, so, we're doing the, so we're doing this live as a video and a, a live video right now, okay? But if it's a picture, if we just sent the picture, we can just take a picture of anybody, send them to a website, whatever, and be like, oh, this is Sean and Rich River. But how do you know that's really Sean and Rick, you know, per se? But if they see us. Are you talking about like Photoshopping and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, Photoshopping and stuff like that. All that stuff has gotten. Well, the whole thing mm -hmm. is like with dating apps too, it seems like they've evolved where now they're looking to monetize. Mm -hmm. So do you think they would make, do you think it's in their business interest to get you to find you a match and get you off the app right away 
No, because then they can't sell your data to mm. advertisers or user data, use your data to get advertisers and also user data for a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's more profitable to keep you on there. Right. So the algorithms, mm -hmm. it's not like a real, like genuine, like, oh, we swiped and we matched. It's, mm -hmm. it's all like concocted yeah. in a way. Mm -hmm. Sort of. I, I might be like, <laughs> I no, I not turn here, but like, I no, I, I see where you're going because it's like, not natural. It's manipulated. That that's and that, to mess with people, especially as something so pivotal in people's lives, like dating and and like those feelings of that you get when you find someone or you're wanting to find someone. So so think of it this way. Think of it this way. Okay. Okay. So. I'm going to I'm going to re reference this from the Bible in Genesis too. That says God says that it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, but now let's speed speed the time up from Genesis two to now. Okay, okay. people are, are lonely. People have self esteem, low self esteem, and all this other stuff. So where they turn to, they're finding something to medicate that. Mm -hmm. In a way, if it makes sense. So it's kind of like so being on a phone where it's like if somebody who lives alone, they don't have a roommate or, or, or a spouse, then it's like, well, you're not interacting with, with anybody other than your coworkers in a way. Okay. I live, I've only had one year where I had a roommate, but then again, too, I was out of the house before he was, I was in the, I was sleeping by the time he came home. Yeah. Okay. So in the sense of reality is the fact that when you're missing other people, well, one, we're human beings and we're social animals. Right. We're we're not we're we're are we're designed when God designed us. It was to be for work, physicalness, not to sit down and read out of books and and watch television all day long. We were made to socialize and interact with each other. That's that's the whole, that's the, basically the whole and do stuff and do stuff. That that's the whole family structure of it all. But now that people have electronics and stuff, they're not putting in the effort to want to socialize with other people. They see that the false sense of reality that they get off of television and the media and stuff like that, and they they are believing false um, perfection lives that other people are, are falsely claiming that they got. Everything's and, an avatar now. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily real. You're just showing a version of exactly what you want to show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they, they don't see it exactly that's that's like much reality fun. television right yeah that's the most scripted television there is yeah it's uh but it's interesting going back to like the loneliness i think this is something we can work on as um as a species moving forward in this century as we have all these it happens so quickly, all this technology, mm. and it, it will continue to happen quickly. Yeah. We have to figure out together how do we... How to break boundaries. Yeah, and how do we create that sense of community and bonding and f real feeling of being a part of something bigger than yourself, mm. both in a digital space, but also it, where you live, your community, getting mm. together and you know, See, that's, sharing that interests and doing stuff. That's kind of like, kind of coming back out here to the barn, dude. It's like, think about it. 
when you see a barn and a farm and stuff like that, that's what communities were built on. Yeah, if if you look at this, together. you know, we, you and I sit in a barn, it's like, how many people do you know that sit talking on a podcast for a, in a barn? Yeah, I. this is like one of the most fulfilling things that I do mm. is just talking to people, mm. especially like physically in a physical space. Right. Like I just enjoy this so much. It's because mm. I get like this relief. I get something out of it that I don't normally get. One of the things that, so since I moved out of my out from my parents' house, I moved in my house on my own. So one of the things I found after a while is that I started like, you start finding things out more about yourself than you that you never really thought gave a chance thinking about. You know. Yeah. And it's like honestly for me it's like, okay, I come home. The house is quiet for like a while. It's like, oh man, this is awesome. I get my peace and quiet, you know? But after a while, it's kind of like, honestly, I do miss that interaction coming home. You know, I kind of miss the, oh, you know, somebody coming home is like, oh, how was your day or whatever? Whether they yeah. complain, you know, whether there was complaining about what happened that day or they're venting to get something off or like, oh no, I had a great day. Yeah. Whatever it was, it's not at my house because I yeah. live alone, you know? This is something I'm like working on currently mm -hmm. is when COVID happened, like, so in Chicago, everything's like shut down. Yeah. So for like two months or at least a month, everything was just like mm -hmm. shut down. So you were like basically just locked in your house for a while. But I, mm -hmm. I was like, this is, I was, there was no one more excited for this than me like because i was like i'm working on all this other stuff i'm like this is fantastic i can just bunker down and just mm. work so there were the first two weeks i only left my apartment inside mm. to just take out the garbage like that was it and i loved it <laughs> and i'm just like exercising i'm just like um so I like reveled in it and I didn't really have an issue with it. The For like the first couple of weeks. <laughs> no, really until like, I would say recently. Really? When now everything, it's almost like. The COVID was like the big game changer of like whether you're going to work or you're staying home. Basically, right. pretty much was the thing. But for me, so I was like out. Mm. Um, but, a bit, but now that it's like over, I don't want to say over, but like the patterns have shifted back and mm -hmm. it's almost like the habits I've built over the last two years yeah. have been very isolationist mm -hmm. and like I, I struggle more with that and I have to actually consciously put effort into being more social now. Yeah. I was like, that's what started bugging me recently too is the isolation part. And I really never, I guess. You, it's it didn't bother me until really like, I'd say I was, I was, I was, I was, I was the guy that was kind of sat back in the corner. I didn't know if that was, I, I, I guess I really can't ask you on that because like a lot of times when we interacted, it was during football, like we, we had spoken yeah. before, but like that, that was kind of the way I was and going through school too, I think was that there was a lot, a lot of times where I isolated myself and I just kind of sat back, whatever. I mean, there were other times where like, yeah, I, I've been with the group, whatever, but there's like basically what Sean was known for and certain other things, you know, uh, not to go off topic, but it's just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, okay. But like like you said, the whole isolation thing, no, yeah, that was like something that kind of bugged me for the last, last couple of years, you know, it's yeah. like. I think overall it's good 
to be around other people. Yeah. I, that I th energy, that mm. energy from other people. I get my energy from other people. Yeah. And if I'm locking myself in like self-imposed mm. isolationism mm -hmm. right now, just like working, mm -hmm. it's like detrimental to my health in a way. If that makes sense. Like, okay, let me, let me ask you this. Okay. Growing up in rural America, I was... What do you think? What did you think about like your time spent on the farm and stuff like that? Did you have? Was it just you? Let's say you and your dad, or did you have other friends or other working with other farmers? How was that? Like, I was always, um, I was always like starry-eyed with the city mm -hmm. and the energy and things like that, and like ambitious, and I mm -hmm. wanted to do big things. Um, but for me. For me now, I can only live and thrive with both country and city, like yeah. rural and not in between. Like, mm. I think humans were meant to either be in nature or with others. I think of it as both, to have both. Like have it, both. So if you don't have both, you're going to be like off-centered and stuff. Yeah. So that's why like, I come back to Wisconsin mm. maybe like once every four to six weeks because mm. I just I come out here and I'm just like, yeah, just being, sitting in the barn, mm -hmm. smelling the dirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Smelling the dirt. Shit, I'll be playing in the dirt. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and growing up, I, you don't, I don't, I didn't know anything other than just the country. You Same know what here. I mean? So yeah. I love going to school because. Everybody was around. I loved yeah. being around friends and softball and, or baseball and stuff like that. You you played yeah. baseball, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, that was that was one of my things. Is that the only thing I did was uh, football. I had a, I I I hated school. I struggled in school. I like for the longest time I did not like being in school. I did not like being with other people because I was always one of the one of those that I had I struggled in school so much. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, that, that's why I, for the longest time I didn't have that much confidence in my life because of things like that. I was always kind of, you know. Yeah. Unless there's something that I had that other people needed or that other people thought was useful, for the longest time I was just that other guy. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? It was kinda so like, do you feel, you feel like you've overcome that? Yeah. 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 I, uh... In the last, probably say, probably last 15 years. Yeah. Since, it's probably since I got done with high school. Yeah. Yeah. Since I was 18, I think. It's like when I, start, when I started getting out and going to work, uh, start working a little bit and stuff like that. And Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, things got, things got better and stuff like that, you know. And, yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of what, you know, one of the things that kind of made me reach out, start reaching out to other people and things like that, too, or people I went to school with, you know. I took note of that, like, like I, I also like if you don't reach out, no, they're not gonna reach out. They ain't gonna reach out. Yeah. So you have to do it yourself, <clears throat> take initiative. Yeah. Well, and like, too, here's the other thing too is I realized is that too is like, <clears throat> so uh, although that I didn't, I wasn't always comfortable like going out or reach out to people or whatever. But th th you always get a handful of those people that you that you went to school with or whatever that would be like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, okay, I I can 
chill with this guy, whatever. He's pretty cool, you know. Like, okay, Rich Hebron. He was always one of those guys that, like, always gave you the time of the day to talk. You know, like, no, no matter what, you always always one of those guys that had a smile. No matter what, always always had a good conversation with Richie, you know. And <clears throat> there was a handful of other guys like that. And it's like, I took it, like, honestly, I feel like in a way, if I say this right, I kind of took things like that for granted in a way because I didn't realize the good things that I had. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. and that's like one of the hardest things about kind of being in rural America is that the, it, you, there's no population other than the guys who do the, the farm, you know? But I loved it yeah. though, you know, because right. it, it was, it's our nature, it's our thing, you know? Yeah, there's a big world out there. Yeah. And uh, it's good to find a place where you feel grounded and mm. also good to explore as well. Yeah, and, and to make a difference too, you know? And, yeah. You know, it's cool how you can, when you, you know, the older you get, the how things change in a way, you know? Well, this has been uh, a lovely conversation. Yeah. It's been a little chilly. Yeah. I've been trying to think about <laughs> warm weather. I, 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 it looks like you're getting a little cold over there just looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I, I, it's okay because I'm just, I'm chilling over here. I'm chilled. I'm, I'm good. I'm glad to have you as my first guest in our barn studio. Yeah, well, it's a, it was an honor to be at your first barn studio uh, live here. All right. So. It's been good. Good talking to you. Thank you.